0: This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast with Alex Milsom and Shivani Darve.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Virgin Radio Pridecast with me, Shivani Darve.
2: And with me, Alex Milsom, my first question, Shivani, has to be, have you composed yourself? Do you feel back to normal after our comedy special last week? Because I know that I did pull out some pretty hilarious jokes.
1: I have spent the last seven days crying with laughter at your jokes, Alex, not, not at you.
2: Well, I'm glad because we're changing tack this week, talking about something which to many people is one of the most important things in the world, religion.
1: That's right. There's so much in the news at the moment concerning whether religion and LGBTQ plus rights can fit together. From the Supreme Court cases in the US to the religious discrimination bill in schools in Australia. So we thought we'd take a look ourselves.
2: And we should say before we start, some of the things we're going to talk about today will be sensitive, including mentions of suicide and family rejection. So if you're not up to that, why not go and check out another episode from the Pridecast feed?
1: There are some pretty good episodes there in the Pridecast feed. Have you got a special favourite, a recommendation, Alex?
2: Um, I must say, I'm still uh, still in awe over, what's his face from, (laughs) it was so good I've forgotten his name um Tom Reed Wilson,
1: yes, Tom Reed Wilson was such a great guest. We've had amazing oh. people chat to us, yeah, we really have
2: um and in terms of so obviously he was he was great fun, and in terms of one that I think I took away most from, I think it has to be when we were chatting to you introduced us to him um about his experience in San Francisco uh and l a during the AIDS crisis yes um, George
1: Hodson that was yes. in our aids hiv aids special that we did for aids memorial day i think it
2: was episode six from top of memory yeah we've we've really we've really got out the got out of the boat there to be fair like i it, don't take it personally if you're listening tom or, or george because i'm really bad with people's names um <laughs> sorry who are you
1: hey watch it <laughs>
2: <laughs> um how was your week
1: my week has been filled with isolation baby Oh, but um, you don't really
2: have to, so... <laughs> I know, joking, I just
1: feel like it's the responsible thing to do. I totally understand that not everybody has the ability to work from home in the way that I do, and I think that because I can, I have a social responsibility to try and keep others in the community as safe as possible. I just received Perfect. a big Tesco delivery before my um, isolation period began, and uh, I thought I was pretty well stocked up. So I thought I'd do my bit.
2: Uh, other supermarkets are available. Meanwhile, whilst you've been jetting off in the jet set lifestyle of your bedroom, including the really nice uh, shelves behind you, 10 out of 10 for shelf Thank work.
1: Thank you very much. I've
2: been becoming a gym lad. I need to show you my muscles. like
1: <laughs> Alex, gosh, I thought you brought a gun to the studio.
2: <laughs> I'm really, really like i've been converted to a gym lad i believe is a technical term i'm now a gym lad um so if you're not a gym lad please don't talk to me because i'm now a gym lad do you Um, take those mirror
1: selfies no i (laughs) maybe (laughs) have you got to the stage where you're posting them on instagram yet
2: no no i've decided not to do those ones but Mm. i have been really really enjoying it and You know, it's it's been a really good mood booster, and I've become absolutely unbearable for anyone who has to meet me after workout because I'm just for the first probable hour of it, I'll be just going. won't believe the workout that i did also i'm finding that as i'm going around picking up things i'm like oh arm day yesterday
1: (laughs) okay so enough about the gym without further ado let's begin looking at whether religion and lgbtq plus rights can coexist and what better place to get started than with somebody who describes herself as both unashamedly gay and unashamedly christian jane ozan
2: have a listen to what Jane had to say to Matt Cain on his Sunday roast on Virgin Radio Pride about the concept of harm in religion.
3: As a Christian and a gay woman, how do you feel about homophobia within the
0: church? Oh, well, actually, the real honesty, it really saddens me. I mean, it sickens me too, but it saddens me because people who. Frankly, on the whole, good people who have a deep faith, who believe in the power of love to change people, seem so blinded to the prejudice that they have. And frankly, years of what I think is ill-informed and wrong teaching. But the harm it does is just untold. And so that's what deeply angers me too. But I think the overarching feeling is just deep sadness. You know, many of my... Uh, former friends, people who I saw as some of my closest friends who are deeply homophobic are good people. They're just completely and utterly misguided, I think, with a legalistic view on life. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So you're
3: saying sadness, which I totally get. Um, Sometimes with me, it's anger. And I want to put something to you. So if someone says something, that discriminates against queer people or is disrespectful of queer people or even so disrespectful it represents a hate crime, why should citing their religious belief get them off the hook?
0: Well, I'm not sure it should get them off the hook. I, I, you know, I'm with you that there is a justice issue here and there are laws in this land that prevent hate crimes, that that does not exclude religion. They don't get, you know, Get past, go free card, or whatever the equivalent of monopoly used to be, that they have to be um, fully responsible for the harm that they often inflict, often knowingly. I mean, let's be honest, there is, I think, been so many reports, um, testimonies, programs, documentaries now outlining the harm that this um, hate. Uh, level that uh, the LGBT community, often in the name of religion, does that they they can't uh, they can't ignore the impact that they have. And one of the things that really angers me, so I'm going to go from sadness to anger. Is with welcome, <laughs> with to my, welcome to my emotional world,
3: Jen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was trying to be generous, you know. I think there are people who who are perhaps slightly ignorant on this, but leaders who I often find myself. Head to head with in programs like this, who are confronted constantly with the harm that they do, and yet choose to sidestep that, ignore that, not uh, in- acknowledge it at all, and carry on metering out um, views that cause deep psychological harm and trauma, often to younger LGBT people.
2: It's interesting that Jane talks about harm because obviously, I, I kind of I don't want to name their name. Because that will be given the publicity they do not deserve. And I remember talking about them on Virgin Radio Pride, actually, again, without mentioning their name. But there was a group that I was really young and very impressionable. And I saw one of their websites and they, you know, they'd go around with placards that say, God hates um, F words. Um, figs. The figs. Yeah, hates figs. Not a fan, uh, much rather a fan of a prune. Um,
3: Who first really prunes?
2: <laughs> I don't have taste. But I really struggled with seeing all of that. And I I kind of just remember, I think that was the probably one biggest thing that set me down a path of harm, you know, a path of regretting who I was because I thought, oh, I'm going to be subject to abomination in hell just because of something that I, at this point, had no control over. And it was what started the Googling of like conversion therapy, all of that stuff. And so that was all because of religion. And I thought it was a religion that was supposed to love me, but it wasn't because it was a religion that actually said that I was an abomination because I was gay. So it's really nice to hear a Christian, unashamedly Christian Christian, um, talk about that experience and talk about, you know, the harm that people who are really strong and fundamental in their views can have.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously homophobia in the church is something that can have a huge impact. And obviously there are religions where there are some leaders who are anti-LGBTQ+, and there should be accountability for that. You know, as a wider group, I think, um, people in that community should turn around and say, actually, no, hold up, what you're saying is is not okay, as opposed to sort of sidestepping that, as, as Jane mentions. But it's really important, I think, for people to not misunderstand what we're saying here, which is the fact that there are ways for religion and queerness to exist together, to enhance each other. And it can be really hard to see that when there are so many examples of this misrepresentation of religion, and, and that can be really hurtful. But it's not all that. It's not all anti-LGBTQ plus stuff in different no, religious groups.
2: It's absolutely not. Um, at Christmas last year, I I went to these carols that were led by uh, an LGBT like network, a staff network that I happen to be connected with. And I really enjoyed hearing someone who, you know, I don't really know how the best way to describe it is, but seeing someone who was dressed um, in religious garments and have them say about how Christmas is a time for us to remember our LGBT uh, members of the family who don't have the, the, the freedoms that we do in the UK and all of this stuff. And it just, it was, that was only last year, but it still has a really sizable impact on me. Um, And I remember some of the things that he said, and there's this point when he pulls out these like letters and says, like, what did the little letters of the LGBT umbrella mean to us? And it was a really like wholesome experience and a complete shock to the system of what I used to know about religion and queerness. So you were right, there is this really nice sort of point where queerness and religion. Can coexist with one another. Uh, people can be very religious and also very queer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I have this theory that if you look hard enough into any religion, you end up seeing all the areas in which it's quite queer. Um, whether it's, you know, from from stories or fables or, or from sermons and teaching, and with Christianity, because obviously Jane is a Christian there are examples of, of prominent leaders in the church, very visible leaders of Christianity who are gay and who are trans. And um, it's just proof that there is, you know, space for you to exist in that religious circle while also being a member of the LGBTQ plus family. And um, I remember... This is, oh my God, why do I mention soaps on this podcast so much? I promise <laughs> I don't, don't watch soaps. But I remember, I think it was Coronation Street where there was a gay couple and one of them, sort of the main character who we all knew is a gay man. And then he had this boyfriend. And I think the boyfriend then got written into the soap as a permanent character. But to start with, he was just like this new guy on the block and he was a priest. And he was oh, a priest. Oh, yeah, is this yeah, Corey? Yeah, yeah, and he was a priest, and it it's just like really good representation, I thought, of somebody who is obviously very religious. And you know, if you watch the show, you'll know that the characters really out and open about their sexuality and like yeah. happy to to be a gay man. And I thought that was was great. And you know, if we f- if we flip this back into the real world as opposed to a soap opera, the fact that Jane is an evangelical Christian as well as being a gay woman proves that religion and lgbtq plus rights can coexist
2: but there are many many places still where there's a trade-off between religious freedoms and
4: ultimately our rights
1: yeah and Paul Brand the journalist uh, spoke about that let's have a listen
4: the difficulty with all of this is that we're kind of talking about a trade off of freedoms here because you've got the freedom of religion haven't you ultimately and as much as we might find it difficult there are religious texts that talk about homosexuality and not all of them are particularly complimentary about it and you know some people in society follow those texts by what they believe to be the letter and they feel very strongly about it and then you've got the trade off with sexual freedoms and our freedom to be who we are um and that runs through so many topics at the moment. It runs through gay conversion therapy, for example, which is another story that I've done a lot of work on in the past few years. You know, do you tell people in churches and, and mosques that they're not allowed to tell people it's wrong to be gay? I mean, it's a really, really thorny issue and really difficult. And I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit here, Matt, because it comes quite close to, to some of my reporting on these issues. And I, and I do like to try and remain as understanding as impartial as I can. But it's a really, really difficult one. It's a really difficult one. And And, and the sad thing for teachers is they're often left trying to police it.
1: So, yeah, there is obviously freedom of religion, but there is the golden rule, which is basically the same across all religions and in the playground that I was at at school, which is to treat others with kindness. And, like, in my opinion, that trumps all of the other stuff.
2: Yeah, I I, I genuinely think sometimes, when I had sort of abuse that was directed at me at Pride um, from a Christian group that just aren't the sort of Christians that I know,
5: I remember thinking
2: like, ah, oh, they've clearly tried to work their way out of like, you know, being nice to each other just because we happen to have a little bit of uh, little bit of gay going on. And that was quite uh, not nice. <laughs> but I just think you're right. The one rule that isn't even from just religions, but just about how we exist with one another is just be nicer. <laughs>
1: yeah, basically be nice that is. nice to each other. That's the, that's the whole rule of life. I think, um, you know, when when there's somebody who's like, well, I'm gay and I think this and all of the gay people also think the same because I am gay and they are gay. You know, when there's the, those sweeping generalisations made about someone because of their gender or their sexuality.
2: Oh, yeah, the gays.
1: Yeah, and... If they've got a really bad take or a take that I disagree with, I get really worked up about the fact that they don't represent me and the fact that, you know, yes, you've got a gay man to represent the LGBTQs on this panel show or whatever, but that really doesn't represent me or my view. And they can't speak for our whole community. I feel like that kind of is how religious people feel when there are these angry people at Pride with their placards shouting homophobic things. Because yeah. they obviously don't speak for the whole religion.
2: No, it'd be impossible to. You know, it, it, just think about the diversity of thought. Even, even on things that we talk about between the two of us here, and what we're both queers. Um, you know, so what you're saying that my my view on something isn't reflective of you? Uh-huh. <gasps> um, that's the whole. That's the whole beauty of our community, and it's the whole beauty of every community actually. is That you've got such a diversity of thought, and so. When people go and appoint those, like, you know, the, the token token queer person on a, on a panel show to to give that gay side of the world, you kind of go, all right, okay. A lot of people will still think that that is, a, a, like, a representative of all gays, though, or all queer people. And going further and and looking at that, yeah, there will be some people who will say, oh, well, we've appointed a Christian who says this horrible stuff about gay people. Therefore, all of Christianity must be against us yeah it's <laughs> spokes gays spokes Christians
1: yeah I think you know those that that kind of setup is something we see a lot when there's sort of a one v one in a newsroom style um impartiality situation everyone's got their thoughts, so we need to represent somebody from every community type vibe
2: he very much sits on on the fence there um despite the fact that obviously as a as a as a gay man you know he's he's married um it's it is massively commendable to to Paul that he's able to to maintain such a nuanced view of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, in in a way that I'm happy to say something that Paul wasn't um, comfortable talking about conversion therapy, I strongly believe that it is a form of torture. It's a total racket. There is no evidence that it works. It, I 100% think that it needs to be made illegal. And mm-hmm. yes, there is such a thing as religious freedom, but not when it comes to imposing on someone else's human rights. For example, like you couldn't punch somebody in the face and say, well, it's my religion. It's punch a person in the face day. You you can't do that to people when when it sort of encroaches on their basic human rights. And I think I'm a little bit more comfortable to to go out and say, I think this should be illegal in every single country around the world in a way that Paul maybe wasn't comfortable to say.
2: Of course. I'm also um, now frantically Googling to see which religion has punched a person in the face day because that might work quite well for me. Um, <laughs> I think, though, we've, we've come pretty unanimously to the conclusion that religious freedom is important as long as it's not causing harm to anyone when exercised. And I think Paul, Paul in fewer words, shares that view.
1: Yeah, but are we being like a little bit too simplistic with this? Where does religious culture come into all of this?
2: That's a very good point. Let's have a listen now to TikTok inclusivity educator Benji Koozy, who spoke to Matt Cain about the crossover between religion and culture.
5: I do believe that people have a right to believe whatever they would like to, to believe. And as someone who um, my ethnicity has gone in, and it's a very um, religious country. Either you're a Christian or you're a Muslim, um, and so I come from that background. And I just, you know, religion is, is very, it's very cultural, you know. And I wouldn't want to tell anybody that they're not allowed to believe, you know, what they would like to believe, but I can only allow that to the extent where it's not, you know, harming others. Right. And so that's the difference for me. But interestingly, actually,
3: you've just brought up a really important point. I was going to say, surely there's a difference between something you choose to believe and something more fundamental, something that's to do with human nature. But actually, what you're saying is religion is sometimes about culture and identity and belonging.
5: Yeah, 100 percent, definitely. And I think you sometimes people who exist outside of that sphere who maybe haven't been raised religiously or you know don't have any any belief or have you know recounted their belief can be something a bit insensitive um because it's not just you know going to church you know every Sunday or going to your place of worship like is a way of life for people and I think we do need to be sensitive to that as long as they're not harming others
2: uh I have to uh I have to pause and reflect on Matt's use of the of the comparison between, you know, choose to believe in religion versus, you know, being born gay. I know a lot of people might disagree with that and a lot of people might agree with that and this isn't a judgment on that, but it is a, a kind of pause for thought that something that is so impossible to change, a la our sexuality, um, and the kind of conflict that it presents with something that some people would say is impossible to change you know your religion and other people would say it's completely possible to change it's a really interesting moment to kind of think about
1: yeah but I did kind of feel like that sort of was off the mark of what Benji was trying to say because I've struggled with religion there's so much of my culture that is tied up in religion and religious practices and when I came out, I misunderstood that my culture and my religion were kind of the same thing. And I shrugged off my cultural aspect, because I thought the religious elements wouldn't accept me for being queer. And I think in some communities, it's very hard to choose the religion, because so much of that religion is tied up in your way of life, your way of thinking, your relationships with your family members. It's its really, we're getting into a really nuanced area where, for example, it's not, for, for me, with Hinduism, it's not as easy as saying, well, I'm not a Hindu anymore, because I will still go to family gatherings where there is praying involved or there is, you know, auspicious food eaten or whatever it might be because that is also the culture that I've been raised in, the culture that I love being a part of. And so it's not as simple as choosing. And I did at one point try to make a choice and step back from that culture and the religion. But it's something that I've realised isn't necessarily... Contradictory to my identity, and so now it's something I want to connect more with in my life. And I'm actually finding myself wanting to connect with the religious side of my ancestry because of the culture that it comes with.
2: So, it, it, I mean, I don't come from a, a strongly religious, you know, strongly cultural background because I come from Kent. Um, the culture of
1: Kent. The culture of, the of Kent, Kent. The of of gonna be furious with you for saying that. So having said that,
2: you know, now that I think about it, there was this sort of like constant input of of religion without even realising it in terms of, you know, going to sing carols and uh, Harvest Festival, constantly tied to key moments about, you know, the the religious calendar. Um, I just kind of wish that actually Kent, which is not exactly known for its diversity uh, most of the time, it would be nice if... Growing up, I got to experience other people's cultures and got to learn more about them and, and, you know, got to have conversations like I'm having with you and got to have conversations with all these different people, uh, which I just didn't really have growing up in Kent. But it would be really nice. And that's one thing I learned at uni was, uh, it was a very diverse uni. It was West London um, with lots of different strong communities. And you got to see just how much, you know, of their culture was intertwined with religion, how much of their culture came out.
1: Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. And like all of our family experiences and cultural and religious experiences will be different based on our backgrounds and our identities and what it was like when we were growing up and whether or not our parents were religious and whether or not we agreed with that or wanted to find a religion of our own or... Oh, there's so much so much nuance we could go into there. And, you know, Benji sort of agrees. Religion is so often intertwined with culture.
2: And for some LGBTQ plus people, this culture within families can sometimes lead to them not being accepted.
1: In a minute, we'll hear again from the brilliant Matt Mahmood Ogston about this very topic.
2: That is on the way, right after your Virgin Radio Pride weekly update with Daryl Jackson.
6: Thank you. Hello. Again, non-binary Afghan has told of how they were left injured and alone after suffering severe injuries in a knife attack by the Taliban, as thousands in the queer community there continued to face persecution. Sarah, who didn't want their last name included, was left with 18 wounds after the attack in Kabul, including gashes along their legs, stomach and back. They say they feel hopeless after finding their life in the hands of the Taliban last week. Meanwhile, Ukrainian Eurovision winner Jamala has been forced to flee the country with her two children. She won Eurovision 2016 for Ukraine and told Israel's Can News that she decided to leave Kyiv with her two children when explosions were heard near to her house. A US judge in Texas has temporarily blocked a state-ordered child welfare investigation of the parents of a 16-year-old transgender girl. It was launched because the teenager's parents provided gender-affirming medical treatment. Texas Governor Greg Abbott branded it as child abuse, but a judge said the claim of child abuse is unfounded. And US TV host Andy Cohen hit out at the governor.
1: To transgender youth in Texas, you belong and I stand with you.
3: And to Governor Abbott, picking on vulnerable children in an election year does not make you a leader, it makes
1: you a bully. Texas, the best way to stand up to this bully is to vote, like your life depends on it, because for a lot of transgender kids in Texas, it does.
6: And Australian soap Neighbours has confirmed it's coming to an end after almost 37 years. Channel 5 announced last month it would stop airing the show and no new broadcaster has been found, with most of the finance coming from the UK. The soap launched the careers of Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan and Margot Robbie. That's all for this week. I'll have much more on the way next week.
1: Thanks, Daryl. So we've heard from Benji just now about the intertwining of religion and culture, which means that for many people, religion is linked to everyday life.
2: But for LGBTQ plus people in this situation, this linking of religion and culture can lead to familial rejection.
1: We've heard from Matt Mahmood-Ogston before on the Pridecast. He set up the Naz and Matt Foundation after his fiance Naz tragically took his own life in response to family rejection after coming out.
2: Let's have a listen to another clip from Matt's chat with Emma Goswell, this time talking about the important work that the Naz and Matt Foundation does.
7: But The one thing that we did set right at the beginning was, was a mission statement. And so the mission statement that drives everything that we do is our mission is to never let religion, any religion, come in between the unconditional love of a parent and their child. In other words, we 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 work to remove the barriers that prevent some religious and culturally conservative parents from accepting the LGBTQI plus child they gave birth to.
1: Yeah. So and it's we, important to mention, isn't it, that although Naz was um, Muslim and sounds like it was from very strict Muslim parents, um, it's not just about that particular, it's not just about Islam. It's about all religions, isn't it, that uh, might be intolerant towards LGBT people?
7: Absolutely, that's a really important point to make. So our charity um, supports individuals from any religious background. And what we see with the individuals who contact us now for support is there was a commonality, there were common common aspects to what happens to the experiences of an LGBTQ plus person who come out to their religious family, if they're conservative in their, 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 their attitudes and their beliefs often the, the impact and the behavior of the family is very, very similar. So there could be a Christian family, there could be a Hindu family, there could be a Jehovah's Witness family. Whether is that conservative interpretation within that family, often the reaction from the family is very similar and the impact on LGBTQI plus mm. person is also very similar. So we work across all faiths and religions. And we provide that safe listening space where we can support either the LGBT individuals or we can support the, the parents as well.
1: So what sort of stuff have you been doing then? Because, you know, I've looked on your website. I mean, you do stuff in schools, you're looking at conversion therapy. What were some, the, some of the practical things that you're doing on the ground
0: to help make life better for people?
7: First and foremost, it's uh, support. We provide, particularly during the pandemic, the um, requests and um, you know, quest for support has gone up uh, a huge amount during the pandemic. Okay. So we support LGBT individuals, LGBTQ plus individuals rather. Some of them are fearing coming out to their family. Some of them have been, are out to their family or have been outed to their family. Some of those individuals have been forced to leave their family home. Some of them are about to be forced to leave their family home. Um, and we also support individuals who are fearing for their life and have come to the UK for safety and they're desperately fearing their own family killing them if they get sent back to the country of birth.
1: I think we've talked about how important the Naz and Matt Foundation is and the work that they do is, and it is worth repeating. I think the work that they do is incredible. It's just such a shame that that this happened to Naz, and they are trying to combat that from happening to anybody else. And I think what they're doing is so important.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, and I, I think that that story is absolutely tragic. You know, it's. It's it's quite impossible to 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 kind of quantify just how bad the situation got for Naz that that was what he he felt was the best option for him and that's that's obviously tragic so it's really positive to know that people are reaching out to the Naz and the Matt Foundation to talk to them to to get you know they're they're doing the the reaching out they they want to do stuff they don't want to disown their family members and of course you know we, we've spoken about this before a lot of intolerance towards lgbtq plus people doesn't come from you know maliciousness sometimes it comes from just being misinformed or ignorance. being in a culture that makes you think that's the right option
1: yeah and sometimes it can just be ignorance i think with coming out to religious families and families that are culturally historically not supportive of the lgbtq plus community can be really really hard really terrifying as well Mm. and i think there's an element here where there's a crossover between culture religion anti-lgbtq plus attitudes that have all formed into the same sort of melting pot with this family. And it's taken something really tragic to try and actively combat what's going on in these communities. And it's not just Muslim communities, it's not just Islam, there are Christian communities this is happening in, there are Hindu communities, there are Jewish communities, communities of all religions, all over the world where you know this assumption that religious families cannot coexist with queer family members is heartbreaking to see and Matt's story of of what happened with Naz is obviously utterly tragic but it's been amazing to see how he's managed to turn that pain into something positive to make sure that other young lgbtq plus people don't have to go through the same thing
2: no, of course and w- coming out just just even if you had the plainest sailing of lives coming out is still a really daunting thing because it's grappling your you know your sense of identity in the world that still you know your your identity is abnormal effectively compared to what the world tells you is normal so even then, coming out is still like a a really big moment if you have a really easy life. I use, it, I use air quotes around the easy because no one has an easy life, really. We all have our battles. Of course
1: but... you have air quotes. It wouldn't be an episode of, of the podcast if it wasn't air quotes. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's the kind of thing, isn't it? If I didn't have air quotes, then actually you should probably check that I'm not being held um, against my will in my flat. But coming out experiences are always difficult, but to have to then deal with the whole, as well as me not grappling with my identity, I'm going to have to also accept the fact that my family probably don't like my identity as well. That is incredibly, incredibly difficult. You know, that is unfathomably difficult. And so when you hear about these negative consequences, what happened, you know, people dying, you know, whether it was because they've been, uh, you know, they're fearing their own family killing them or because they're just so in, uh, like you, you know, in so much denial that they think that's the best option for them. No matter what it is, coming out is an incredibly difficult thing. And so to know that the Naz and Matt Foundation is constantly there to support people at every single stage of, you know, their lives as, as queer people blending in with religion and for the family members coming to terms with that is really, really nice to see. And if you'd like to find out more about the incredible work that the Nazimat Foundation does, we'll put some information in the show description.
1: Right, that's just about it from us this week. But before we go, let's end with some words of encouragement from the country star, Brooke Eden, who chatted to her girlfriend, Hillary Hoover, on quite a queer conversation about coming out to religious parents.
8: Coming out to my family was a lot harder. My family is more conservative, religious, and they did not take it well for a long time. They didn't take it well at first at all. It took a few years for them to come around, but um, I'm very happy to say that everyone is on the other side now and can't imagine me with anybody else and is super happy for us. And I'll just say that for anyone who's going through coming out with their family and having a hard time with it, there is another side of it. Um, I totally was at a point at some point where I was like, this is never going to be okay for them. Like, we're never going to be on the other side of this.
4: And it and... felt
8: like the world was ending at the time, you know, and I'm yeah, sure a lot totally. of people feel that way. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's, there's always another side to whatever darkness you're going through. So just hang on and go through that journey. Cause we both did that.
2: You know, it can feel like the world is, coming to an end when you come out so i i definitely can see what brooke and hillary would have been having you know to grapple with when their family you know rejects them but isn't it so nice to know that by the end of it you know fought through trenched through the mud whatever you call it you got through to the other side and the family are accepting that it feels so rare but it's gradually becoming more common isn't it
1: Yeah, well, this is a thing. So my mum's religious too. And I want to echo what Brooke was saying about the support for people going through this because it can, as you say as well, like be the most daunting thing in the world. But something that I'm really keen to champion is the fact that just because you are from a religious family or your culture stereotypically does not include LGBTQIA plus representation, it doesn't necessarily mean that the family will reject you. What happened with me and my mum is that she was mostly just worried about how other people would respond to me and how the world would treat me. Like to an extent it had nothing to do with her religion or her beliefs and she was just thinking about the fact that we live in an unjust world. And it was a bit of a rocky period of time after I came out to her, but we managed to chat about it and her response to me initially coming out And I was basically like, I felt I wasn't being supported and she was just like, oh no, I'm so sorry that that is how you feel and felt because that wasn't it at all. She was just expressing her worry about how she thought the world was going to respond to me in a way that wasn't like really constructive but she kind of had no filter on in that moment and she cleared the air with me and was basically like, look we just want to make sure that you have a nice life and life is hard enough already so i thought this would add to the hardness of your life and i just don't want that to be the case but now it's it's like all rainbows in my family like it, it also helps that you know hinduism and indian culture is already so camp like there's a lot of color there's a lot of like extravagant outfits we love a oh the extravagant
2: outfits yeah
1: we we love a bedazzling you know the only other place where i see that amount of bedazzling is on rupaul's drag race so of course
2: of course do you know what though i i think i i can you know see that even from my very limited interaction with your mum through the voice message that uh was it Christmas or birthdays I can't remember we had a voice message from your mum I think it was Christmas yeah of course I really should know this a little bit better I it's been a year huns your mum referring to you as my child you know and embodying all the things that matter to you and your identity it could be very easy that you know the things that she say weren't the most tolerant but she's learning and she's so supportive and that makes me really happy to see
1: Oh, yeah, I was definitely getting all of the words wrong before I, you know, started to educate myself about our community and the language that we use. And I think for most people, it's a learning curve. And I I do think that as much as there is this feeling that religious families aren't going to accept you if you come out, it's not always the case. And that gets a huge prominence in sort of our social mindset and that's kind of what we're all believing, but it's not always the case.
2: No. But that's nice to know there is that angle of positivity. So we've got some positivity from Brooke and Hillary and some positivity from Shivani Dalve, the legend that is. But that is all we've got time for on the Pridecast this week.
1: As always, if you'd like to get in touch with us about anything we've discussed, you can email us on pridecast at virginradio.co.uk.
2: Or you can tweet us at virginradio.uk, remembering to use hashtag virginradio.pridecast. We'll
1: see you next week. Bye. Bye.